0: Hi there, church family. Good to be with you today in our midweek sermon recap. Didn't expect to be here today myself. I asked these three gentlemen to do it without me. I was busy doing something, came back. They didn't do it. We were Is there a doing something too. I uh, didn't get the
1: email. No, we, <laughs> Only we had the conversation. Yeah. I don't
0: think I was a part of that.
2: You weren't there, Dave. Sir, it Scott. was Spencer and so. Scott in the hallway
0: <laughs> after church Sunday morning. And, uh, and I said, hey, hey this guys, came up. I have... Can you, for for one one Can you guys do my job for me? Can you guys do my job for me? I would be the responsible one. I yeah. would say, come
1: on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, say, you would have, have said that. Just saying. I'm That's learning I'm saying. that. We didn't I'm feel comfortable that.
3: doing it. Your, your sermon was so good. We didn't feel right. comfortable doing it without you. Yeah. Well,
0: I think it would have been better without me. I think you guys would have done a. we great developed
1: job. a dependency upon you.
0: <laughs> well, that's not and good. We're <laughs> we worshiping it? the wrong thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. here comes the sermon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tim has to remind us every day he comes into the office that he has a. T- he says, "Touch my hands. I'm a man just like you." <laughs> Listen, I am. I am flesh and blood. It's okay, guys. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Maybe I should uh, go away for like a month. <laughs> Maybe that would help. help. Maybe that oh, would help boy. This
0: around November when it's hunting season. <laughs> there you go. Anyways, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. So the sermon this week uh, focus was starting a new series sermon series on worship, which we'll be doing for uh, the fall, uh, all throughout the fall probably. Uh, and I don't have, like, my notes with me that list out what we'll be going over altogether. But, like, this week our focus was the question, what is worship? Who can worship? Uh, which I didn't fully answer the question, who can worship? I think there's more that needs to be said, which I'm I'm sure will be said as we move forward. Uh, but, like, this coming week is who do we worship as Christians? And so looking at uh, God, who is he? I, th- I think that's really going to be the focus, uh, probably some of his attributes um, and just focusing on him and his holiness and in his in his glory. That's just who we come to worship uh, each week or who we're supposed to and who we're supposed to be worshiping with our life. But Then uh, it's going to lead to like uh, which we'll talk about some uh, even today, but things like private worship, family worship, um, public worship worship and then what does public worship what does the Bible say about public worship? What what does that look like? And so probably at least two, if not three, sermons on on that of preaching, reading the word, singing, giving, the ordinances, Lord's Supper, Baptism, uh and then it'll kinda end with a thing of as we as we worship God, we do it it's connected to missions this idea of of missions and so uh anyway looking forward to the the sermon series worship is a pretty highly debated topic would you guys agree with that amongst the christian community not even just that large with the christian community yes yeah i think so (laughs) yeah a lot of
2: different opinions out there about worship and what it should be what it should entail
0: Yeah, and there are a lot of uh, opinions, and there's some room, I think, within worship to have opinions. But I think there are some opinions that probably shouldn't be opinions because they're just wrong. And that's not my opinion. That's a biblical matter. (laughs) That's how maybe that's the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, sounds like a pretty strong opinion, right? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, but I want. I'm hoping through this series to look at those questions and 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 then deal with that. And so it's not uncommon nowadays to drive by a church and to see a sign that says hey we have a contemporary worship service at 11 o'clock we have a traditional worship service at nine o'clock you know it's like well what what are you talking about you know what does that mean and and, and that and
1: that that's a that's a helpful I think thing point out is that oftentimes when people talk about worship in that specific instance that is only a change of music yes. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes it a difference between mm-hmm. being a contemporary service or a traditional service, because most of the time you're getting the same message.
0: Mm-hmm. It's usually probably the same sermon. Yeah. yeah. I, I have heard of pastors, though, they they dress different based on the yeah. traditional or the contemporary, mm. and also there's a different uh, mode of getting it out. So the traditional service might just be like the guy's preaching Mm-hmm. The Contemporary Service, he has a screen, he has a PowerPoint, or he has mm-hmm. something like that that yeah. goes along with probably the same message, probably mm-hmm. not preparing two different messages, uh, but it, it looks the packaging. The packaging is mm-hmm. is different uh, there. Yeah. Uh, but as we looked at this week, this question of what is worship, um, even what we're talking about now with the contemporary traditional, that is one aspect of, of worship when we use that word, the word worship, because worship is one of those words that we must define in order to be able to have a conversation because it's one of those words that when when I say worship and when you say worship, we might actually be talking about two different things because we don't have it defined well. Another example would be like the word love today or justice like okay you're gonna to, to define that for me what are you talking about or even God right you mm-hmm. can talk to people yeah I worship God mm-hmm. what do you mean by that or in churches gospel what do you mean by gospel uh, that's another word that it, you have to define it because a lot of people will put it on their websites or even talk about it but when you get down to the nitty-gritty of the word you realize we're talking about two different things two different things here. And so Mm -hmm. that's why this first sermon kind of as an introduction was to help us define worship as we move forward in this series so that we're all on the, on the same page. And we actually talked about it a lot in the office and talked together because I'm not the only one who will be preaching during this sermon series. Uh, some of, you know, I think Spencer and Scott are going to be preaching as well. Uh, at least one of the the messages uh, in it. And so we wanted to be on the same page, as we all talked about it, uh, of the terms that we were going to use, and and just so, again, we were focusing in the same direction. And so as we we discussed it, we kind of put these different categories out there. And so let's talk about the, the categories if we can, okay? The first one was general worship or um reflecting the glory to God that he deserves and so we pull that from Colossians three I read twelve through seventeen but really one through seventeen is like a big section there of this and it's the idea when Paul talks about whatever we do we do all things to Christ right no matter how so it goes to oh man what I mean Everything is wrapped up in this, right? right. Mm-hmm. Like your vocation, mm-hmm. your family life, your friends, your hobbies—all uh, of you would be wrapped up into this general worship of reflecting glory. First of all, as a as a Christian, we know that we're reflect we're supposed to reflect the glory of God, and and so I tried to do my best to. Uh, I didn't do it yet. Yet here it was more talking about our worship, but we'll talk more of that. When we ask the question, who worships? We all do, and there's a reason for that. Um, but Romans 12.1 is another area where it says that our true spiritual worship is to be a living sacrifice uh, because of what Christ has done for us. So he gave his life for us. What do we do in return? We give, We give our life to him mm-hmm. and everything. And so that's... That's all facets of our life, and that's this idea of general general worship. You guys got anything on, on that part, the general?
1: I think, I mean, another parallel verse is 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Yes. Um, and that's what you're talking about, is mm-hmm. there is this idea um, in Scripture that our whole of life is to be done to the glory of God. And if that's what you mean by general worship— Um, then yeah, that is a very biblical idea that our whole life is uh, to be reflecting, glorifying God in whatever we do. Mm -hmm. And part of that is then the coming together, which is the special worship, the public, the uh, the public gathering of God's people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But they are, they are, they're related, but they are distinct too.
0: Have you guys come across people or had any conversations where it seems like people elevate the general worship more than what we're going to talk about next the specific worship yeah i have
3: yeah uh, for sure of um people who talk about just you know i mean i guess the most explicit conversations i've had have been with men who see their hunting blind as their church being out in nature and being alone and things like that like they say that that's a very spiritual experience for them or whatever like that, which is kind of goofy. Um, But yes, I mean, people definitely elevate this kind of personal all of life. But I think it's important to also recognize, like, when we say that all of our life is worship, we have to recognize and ask the question, well, what makes all of my life worship compared to all of the life of somebody else who isn't a Christian? What about my life is different than them? And so it's not just... Oh, all of my life. I I, I drive to work and I, I worship because I'm driving to work. It's it's the way you live your life, walking in obedience to the Lord and trusting in him and as a witness to him that those are all acts of worship as you do that. And so they're it just living your life is not worship because non Christians just live their life. So there's something different about mm-hmm. that. Um and, and the way that we go about doing that, which is what I think Romans twelve one and two is about, mm-hmm. is the fact that you are being transformed. Um, mm-hmm. There is something different about that. Uh, but yes, like I have seen people that emphasize that as an overemphasis and an underemphasis of like corporate worship, and the way you talked about in your sermon was worship gathered versus worship scattered. Mm-hmm. You used the, the
0: that phrase. Yeah, helpful. Mike Casper brought that up in his definition. <clears throat> he had like a, just a real small one, and he didn't. In his book, it wasn't like, this is my definition of worship. He just had this line where he said, worship is both an all of life a scattered reality and then a uniquely communal gathered reality. Mm-hmm. And he, he brought that out in his book, um, Rhythms of Grace, mm-hmm. uh, in his introduction mm-hmm. and helping us move forward, which I, I thought was a helpful thought mm-hmm. to talk about what we had been talking about. Uh, in the office. And so, yeah, there's, I I, I do think that there's a sense with some people that the true Christians care more about the general worship because we do it every day, right? That's for the uppity ups. Uh, There are those who go on Sunday, they punch their ticket, they're not really into it, right? And so for us holy people, though, it's an everyday experience, an everyday thing. Or I've even heard some who say, Yeah, you know, I know some Christians they need they need church. I don't really need that because I worship God every day. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like this holier than thou type of mentality and talk. Um, but as we'll see and as we'll talk about, it's a it's it's a very misunderstanding a very strong misunderstanding mm-hmm. of Scripture and worship.
3: Yeah, people take things that we would even recommend that you do, like reading your Bible every day mm-hmm. or even engaging in, like, extra-biblical studies that, like, different publishers would put out. I see people posting things on social media all the time of, like, the Bible study that they're doing or, like, they'll ask questions, like, what's the next Bible study I should do? Yet I rarely see those people at church. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's an emphasis on my personal study but not on my corporate gathering with the people of God. Yeah. I mean that's that's even another example. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think you mentioned this I mean I think there's been such a shift you know. I mean I think it happened before covid this kind of almost like individualistic enlightened kind of idea like I can I can I can listen to Dr. David Jeremiah and that's, I'm at church, you know, I'm worshiping and I'm, you know, and that, that's an interesting statistic that the Barna group came, you know, that they, they've, uh, in their, in their research that it's 57 to
0: 71. That I think, yeah, I was at age 57 to yeah. 71. They, they have a name. I can't think of what it was. Yeah. So it was like, is that like the boomers or the, I can't remember yeah. all those generational names, but it was
2: like that age group very interesting statistic but basically you see the shift with this kind of like i'm it's a it's my personal relationship with God I can worship like here I don't need church I don't need you know to serve or, or to be a good steward and I think that's uh that's a, a dichotomy of of worship you know what it means to to truly be a, a person who is worshiping God in all of life so yeah mm-hmm.
0: it's good yeah so we had our general worship uh but then as we've already talked about some, uh, there's also a specific worship, um, or if it's glory reflecting the general, uh, the specific worship in scripture is more more glory revealing, where God reveals himself to his church and to his people, and that is in the public worship gathering, Uh, what we are commanded to do, um, even, even in the New Testament, you see the church, the New Testament church meeting on the first day of the week, and even calling it the Lord's day. Right, and so they were they were gathering together to worship together, to be together, and and it became such a common practice. It seems because in Hebrews, the the passage that we read, Hebrews ten through twenty five, the writer of Hebrews is dealing with a problem, saying, "Do not neglect the gathering of yourselves together, as some of you are already doing." So it was already understood within the church that we get together to worship God together. There's an importance here, uh, here to it. Uh, and so there's this this specialness there. Uh, did you guys you guys know the Puritan pastor David Clarkson? I mentioned him. You guys know him well. Mm-hmm. He was uh, didn't he a uh, pastor of the church with Owen? John I think Owen. I think there was a connection yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, I think was, you're I think you're right. Was
1: he Scottish or? I I don't know that. Okay, I I, I don't do remember.
0: Think, okay. I I only did a little research into yeah, him yeah. when I saw this. But he has a, a sermon on public worship, and he uses Psalm 87, seven two, mm. where it says the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. And he uses that passage to say the public gathering, to show the importance of it. Mm. Like, look, he's saying the Lord loves the gates of Zion. Well, what is that? It's a church. As we assemble together and God revealing himself to us, it's more than all the other dwelling places of of Jacob. And Jacob is... right of Israel, of the people, of Mm -hmm. God, and so all the other places. This is the special place that God has for us to come and to worship together. And so Mm -hmm. that's that's why in Hebrews he's saying, do not neglect this. There's an important thing happening in church, in the worship service, the public gathering Mm -hmm. uh, that we we do. And again, I I think we push that aside Mm -hmm. a lot. And you see it even in churches. I know churches wouldn't say that they don't think the public gathering is important, but it it seems as if a lot of churches today don't think it's important uh, of the church getting together, their watered-down tactics. Uh, We talked about this on a podcast or on something recently, but where the churches are catering so much to the consumer mentality that they're offering many services, Saturday services and many Sunday services, hey, just come in when you can. But it gives this mentality of what's the most important thing here? It's you. Mm-hmm. It's your time. It's your schedule. And we as the church will work around your schedule. Now, there's an aspect of where churches can work around their people's schedule, and it's the kind, appropriate thing to do. But it seems to have been taken to this next level to where it just seems like public worship is is an add-on. It, and I don't know. To me, it just comes across as very watered down. Maybe that's an opinion, uh, but well, I think, I it's mean, my opinion.
3: I mean, as, as pastors of a church, we all know the pressure of feeling bad for asking our people to make a sacrifice, mm-hmm. and it's, that's so uncommon in our culture today. I mean, businesses and uh, those trying to sell products or services is all about trying to convince the buyer or the consumer that this is going to be good for you. And we are going to be the ones to bend over backwards for you because we want your business. And that mentality, unfortunately, kind of invades the church where pastors and churches, we're not, we often shrink away from wanting to ask people to do something sacrificial, which what we're talking about right now, the sacrificial thing is show up, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Just yeah. be there. And even mm-hmm. more than like offering other services, there's churches that like, I, I would say like streaming your service. Like, we post it online, we do that, but we don't stream it. Mm -mm. And the reason for that is because we don't necessarily want people to think that, oh, if you can't make it this morning, if you're running behind, just stream it. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. There are some churches now that are just purely online churches. There is no physical gathering of the quote-unquote members Mm -hmm. of the church, and they're just online churches. And that kind of completely goes against the whole, like, the name of the church, which means the assembly or, you know, those who are gathered together. Um, but when yeah. I click that button, Scott, I'm there. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm
1: joining. Uh, you can
3: see how many people are there with you watching the video. <laughs> right. We've right. all got
1: our goggles on, and we're all just... Avatars. <laughs> avatars. Yeah, so, that's another... <laughs> that's yeah, like their churches there's are trying to churches. use virtual reality.
0: Right. Well, isn't that Church? Yeah. <laughs> Craig Groeschel. I mean, he's right. not alone in it. There's yeah. many others doing mm-hmm, it. But That was one of the sad things of the Barna research is it included online services in their numbers Mm -hmm. and so if Mm -hmm. we were to say don't include online services in the numbers the percentages of drop of generation people going to church would have dropped even more Mm -hmm. but they counted that they didn't count i think like watching tv and these different things but it did count like do you go to your church's website and stream it okay then you're a good church member like Mm -hmm. that was even part of of Mm -hmm. of that which i think is why the millennials did rank so high because they probably are a lot of the internet usage would be my guess Uh, again i'm just i'm just guessing that i I don't know that to be a fact Mm -hmm. um but anyways uh i lost my train of thought i'm sorry what were you talking about you said something
1: other ways i think he was saying in which the church's public worship is kind of downplayed or didn't Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and i even hear pastors this is something i try not to do but um i hear pastors even address the people on the internet in the room Yeah, You know, those of you watching at home, Mm -hmm. those of you listening on the radio, those of you who will see this in our broadcast, I want you to know this. And I just, to me, I just think that's foolish and silly. I'm, I'm standing to preach to the gathered church there. Mm -hmm. Who's there? You know, I'm not addressing something. They might be listening 10 years down the road. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean what I said isn't still true, but it's like this, that's not what this is for. This is for this moment right now for the people here. Right. Um, and, uh, I just think that's important for us to remember. And, and Scripture speaks of this specific worship, the public worship, but, and it speaks of it in a special way and actually gives us certain things to do when we gather together. And there's not a lot of questions about this and not a lot of debate about it. Uh, we see that he tells us to come together for Lord's Supper, right? We gather together for baptism. We gather together to hear the Word of God preached, to hear the word of God read out loud, to pray together, and to sing together. Uh, Some people would throw fellowship in there too, which I wouldn't have a problem with if you wanted to throw fellowship in in there too. And we also see passages of giving, where the people gather together and they give. Paul says, lay aside the first day of the week, and when I come, I'll get what you guys have laid aside and I'll make sure it gets where it needs to go to the church that's in need. And so we even see now this time of gathering of of giving and and giving talked about as worship uh, and different things. So these seem to be what the Bible speaks of, of how God will then speak to his people uh, and reveal himself to his people are through these very ordinary means that we have. Did I miss any? Uh, Anything else?
3: I thought what you, um, something you just said, um, reminded me of a phrase that you had said in your sermon that I wrote down. When you started talking about this, not the idea of just worship scattered, but also worship gathered, Mm -hmm. you had, I don't know if you got this from somewhere or if it was just you, but you said that the worship scattered is kind of like the glory of God reflecting, like we are reflecting the glory of God Mm -hmm. in the world but worship gathered is glory revealing it's where god not where you know we receive well yes where we receive like revelation where god reveals himself through his word through the ordinances through prayer through all those things right Mm -hmm. and i thought that was a really good distinction and a way to think about it where i gather to see god to receive his word to be fed spiritually in that sense and when i scatter my worship is 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 Glory that glory is reflecting to the world in that sense. I thought that was a good distinction. I like that,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, there we don't want to go too deep into it because we're going to do it in this series. But just the benefit of there's definitely a benefit to general worship you're called to do it, reflect the glory of God. And as Scott said, there is a difference in how we live than everybody else. Our worship is going to look different, but I'm still probably going to go to work just like the non Christian, I'm going to work next to him. And the way I do my work and he does his work might look the same. But internally, my motivations in doing what I'm doing, right? My attitudes in doing what I'm doing probably is going to be different than his. It needs to be. That's that transformation that takes place in our life. My worldview is probably going to be different because it's going to be a biblical worldview. Uh, But from the outside, most people looking... You know, if they were to scan Ford Motor Company and everybody on the line, they're not going to be say, "Well, that guy's obviously Christian." That guy is, not that guy is like, look, look at look at how different they are. Hmm. Probably not, right? That's probably not going to happen. That visual, but maybe if you have a conversation, maybe then you start to see a difference.
3: Talk to their manager.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. just in some different things. Okay, um, so that's this this general worship, but then there's just this specialness that you cannot receive on your own, that God only provides for us in the public worship Mm -hmm. gathering. And you say, well, you're just being cocky because you're the pastor preaching. No, it has nothing to do with me. I'm just telling you, this is what the Bible says, that God uses. And so there's a special thing happening at Monroe Missionary Baptist Church on 1030 on Sunday mornings, and it's not because of the people on stage. It's because God has said, this is where I reveal myself to my Mm -hmm. people through the preaching, through the singing, right? Through these different things, the reading of the word and prayer. Same thing that's happening at some congregation of 25 out in Nevada. As they meet together and are faithful to the word of God, God is revealing himself to them, and it is a special thing that's happening and taking place. And this seems to be a thing of the past, but this is why uh, we used to encourage people to bring their lost friends to church so that they could in a sense, be a part of this and trust that God will then reveal himself through these ordinary means that he's given us to them to open their eyes to the truth of the gospel. Now we've taken it, like I've said before in other places, and we've put such a personal emphasis on evangelism, which I think is good. Yes, you should do that. But there's still this specialness of being in the congregation you know, it wasn't too long ago, Sunday evening worship services were evangelistic because it was like, bring your lost friends here. God, God's going to reveal himself, right? God's going to show himself through these things, and this is where they need to come to see the truth, right, to see the gospel. And our narrative, it seems, has kind of switched to they'll hear the gospel more in the general worship you do than they will in the public worship that we do. And I I don't think that was a good switch. I don't think that was a good a good flip. Um, And I I hope that we get back to, again, not catering in our services to the loss, which we'll talk about moving forward, but doing what we do as the church and watching God do what he does and draw people to himself as we're faithful, being the church that we're supposed to be in our public worship services. Well, there's also another area. uh, And the way I said to picture this was to have two circles, So draw one big circle and draw another circle that overlaps that circle a little bit. In the one circle, you have general worship. In the other circle, you have specific worship, the public worship. But there's an area in between that overlaps. And it seemed best to us, we talked about this some, uh, again, uh, to put private worship in this overlap and also family worship. The reason being is you don't find like this specific mandate to read your Bible every day. You do find that you are to pray every day. You're to pray without ceasing. Um, I don't even know if you'd see a specific mandate. You're not going to see a specific mandate to get in and study the Word of God hard on your own. When the Bible was written, the people just couldn't do that. It would have been a silly Mm -hmm. thing. You know, it would have been a silly thing to to say. Uh, They didn't have that capability. But... As you read the Bible and you see the, the importance of, of knowing God, that God reveals himself through his word. So to be in his word, you read Psalm 119, Psalm 19, uh, a lot of other places. You get this idea that it, it would be beneficial now that we have the word of God in our hand and most of us can read. It'd be beneficial to read the word of God every day, to spend some time alone with God. And Jesus did give us an example of this as he would spend time alone with the Father it seems very often. I don't know if it says every day, but I'm sure he did, but you know, often where he was having this private time with God and it, it seems that we should be doing this same thing. It's not the specific gathering of all of us together. It's not necessarily the general worship of just honoring God with your life. It seems to be like we say like we're saying here, kind of in the middle ground of this private time when I get to pray to God, speak to God, Read the word of God, meditate on the word of God, maybe write some things down, you know, in a journal or something as I'm doing that and just having a alone time with God. And I think this is the sermon that Pastor Spencer will be focusing on, right? I mean, this could be different amounts of time for different people, who knows? Uh, But that seems to be there in this worship overlap. Uh, But also with that is family worship. Uh, family worship is a little easier, I think, to pin down scripturally because we do have in Deuteronomy 6 the commandment to teach this to your children. Put it on, basically, like, have pictures in your house with things so that they know they can read Hobby it. Hobby Lobby helps with that. Hobby Lobby, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess it does. We're not going to go there. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Is that what your sermon's going to be about, Spencer? Yeah, yeah, go to Hobby
1: Lobby. They're not open today, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have yeah. some? No, no. I, I mean, no, I was just... Do you have that sermon done? You ready? Yeah, I'm all, all done.
3: Um, <laughs> I was going to say that um, one of the reasons I think that you can look at Scripture and say that there's not much of a command for like this personal pursuit mm-hmm. is because the idea of family worship, even though you don't find those words in Scripture, was much more common mm-hmm. and expected yeah. and practiced in families. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you do see passages like where Paul is writing to Timothy, and he tells him that, you know, you were acquainted with the Scriptures because of the faith that was in your grandmother, in your mother, and because of that, it's been passed to you. So, he was acquainted with the Scriptures, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. He knew them. And then, like you referenced, like, a passage in Deuteronomy that uh, these are stories of the Lord and the works of God that you're to be telling the coming generations. Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't much need to encourage people to personally pursue knowledge and instruction on their own like we do today because they did it in the context of the family, mostly. That's where they were able to do it.
0: Yeah, but now we're so individualistic. Like you're saying that it's like, this is my personal pursuit of God. Yeah. Right? This, you know, and my parents, and we say this, right? Your parents can't save you. Your parents can't do it for you. You need to trust in Christ. And there's truth in that. But we've taken this whole personal pursuit, and we've, right, yeah, we've moved it outside the fact. With Israel, they went to synagogue. <clears throat> I mean, it was so ingrained within their life, right? And and they were taught it that it would have been silly to think I need to go do this on my own because no one else is going to do it right. for me. And the kids would have been like, "Yeah, my parents do it for me. I go every all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. normal part of life.
1: Yeah. No. Also, real quick, too. Uh, this is a smaller point, but. We also don't practice things simply because they're explicitly commanded. Right. We do believe that things that are deduced by good and necessary consequence are just as binding. upon our conscience i mean jesus does this right with uh i just saying this because somebody might say well it's not explicitly said there well the resurrection wasn't explicitly stated but jesus pulls it from the pentateuch and says it's binding Mm -hmm. god is not the god of the dead but of the living and so jesus pulls a consequence from scripture and says haven't you read the old testament so i'm just saying because i know some people might say well this isn't explicitly in you know zechariah 1 1 or whatever but also We see family worship taking place even with, for instance, like Abraham, Genesis chapter 18. God says, I know that Abraham will train up his children and command them. He'll train up his household. So you see already even before Israel with father Abraham, who, by the way, is our father. Um, in the faith, um, is already teaching his children the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see with Job in the in, as well as offering right, sacrifices, sacrifices for, for his children, children. Mm-hmm. Um, teaching his children the gospel. Psalm 78, the one of the reasons God gave the scripture is so that you can teach it to your children. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Psalm 102, uh, which talks about the, and, and other psalms that give us encouragement that God's promises and his uh, righteousness are to our children's children as well. So there's, we only have encouragement in the Old Testament, and which is further confirmed in the New Testament, that God wants parents to teach their children with full confidence that, generally speaking, he works and blesses those means. Mm-hmm. Not in every single case, but collectively speaking, he does. <clears throat> and so we have every encouragement to do this. Yeah. And all of those are consequences then that flow out of that that should make family worship something. We shouldn't view it as a, as a burden, but we should be, first of all, driven to it by the great promise that Jesus Christ is working through us to uh, not only strengthen ourselves, but also our children and whoever else may be in your household. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Jesus is there. He's that ultimately the one teaching your children. And whenever you pray with them, you speak uh, the, read the Bible with them. Um, He's working there. I think that's, that's, that's so encouraging. And actually family worship became really rich around the time of the reformation where it was really restored with uh, guys like Martin Luther and such Mm -hmm. who really tried to emphasize this, this aspect of, of, of really re uh, reinforcing the fact that and reminding parents that actually they are the ones who are also given the task and the joyful privilege of being used by God to mm-hmm. uh, worship, lead your family in worship, and you do it by yourself as well, but uh, as a as a as a family reality as well.
3: Yeah, that's good. And your point about like we see things that this isn't exactly the same application of this, but through good and necessary consequence, yes. right? If if that's there, well then. This has to be there. correct? I mean, what other encouragement is there to someone if they know that it's my responsibility as a parent or even as a grandparent mm-hmm. to teach my family of the things of God? Well, right there, the goodness is, that's the good and necessary yeah. consequence for you to know then yeah. yep. and for there to be that personal aspect of, okay, well, if I'm going to teach this to somebody else, I should probably know it myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's
1: your good and necessary consequence, right. right? Right, so then we find the scriptures are actually full of, Mm -hmm. of good and necessary consequences um, that really just, yeah, the scripture is so rich. Yeah,
0: it's good. All right, so we got through those. This is going to be our framework uh, as we move forward. The next question that we answered here uh, Sunday, or we attempted to, was who worships? And when you go to Genesis uh, chapter 1, you see that God created man, and he created man as an image bearer. Uh, one who is to bear His image—that's what we—that's what we're supposed to do. That is what we need to do. And so, within us is this worship, as we bear His image, uh, which is which was a good thing. We reflect His glory, and so Adam and Eve had the privilege of this and and being a part of this and doing this. Uh, so the answer is there's there is a true answer here that everybody worships, uh, but we see really quickly the problem with everybody worshiping uh, when we get to Genesis chapter three. And we read this. In Genesis chapter three, Eve Adam and Eve knew the rules. They're very, very simple rules, not difficult. They knew so so like it'd almost be like if we were to be as pastors or whoever, like, I just wish God would give us a, a order of worship that we could follow every week so we knew that we were doing exactly what we were supposed to do. Right? That would be awesome. Just give us this please. Adam and Eve had that. (laughs) Work the garden, eat of all this, don't eat that one, right? Mm -hmm. They had it. This is how you worship me. Uh, And then all of a sudden, questions came up. Did he really say this? And Eve's like, yeah, he did. Yeah, you know why he said this? He's actually robbing you. He's robbing you of your full potential. He's robbing you of what you could really be. Oh. this does look good to eat she eats after being told not to and she sins and this sin now disrupts worship it disrupts the worship that adam and eve have with god the relationship they have with god they they have to get kicked out of the garden you don't see them walking with him in the evening anymore uh there's now toil and struggle in their work there's all these things and so now worship has been disrupted because of sin and it continues to carry on so much so that when god finally gives us the law with moses the first two commandments, and others have to do with worship too, but the first two, very specifically, are in worship. I am God. That's it. And then you should not have idols. You should not have graven images. You do not do this, right? Obey me and me only, he says in the in the Ten Commandments. And it, it's so clear how God wants us to know that we need to worship him and him alone. And sadly... There are many who don't do this, and we see this even with Israel. They would continue to disobey him uh, again and again and again they would worship false gods, even kings that we raise up to high honor. King Solomon, bad at worship, right <laughs> He worshiped foreign gods. Uh, that's what he did. Uh, and it's sad to see that, uh, but it's continued to carry on to where we got to Romans chapter one. and I read Romans chapter one verse 18 to 32 which is a very sobering, uh, passage to read. I don't I don't know why my mind thinks like this, but when I was reading Romans chapter one, verse eighteen to thirty two, my mind went to there's gonna be a lot of pious Christians who grab onto these chapters and say, see, see, that's why all them people out there are just so bad. And there's truth in that. I mean it, it seems so clear to me as I read Romans 1 one, eighteen thirty two, to see our culture today. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it seems like a definition of our culture that we live in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it it seems like we get, we stop after the homosexuality part as, as a lot of Christians and we grasp onto that Mm -hmm. and we don't keep reading about malice and hatred and gossip and slanderers and disobeying parents. And you even approve of these things, you know, and how often we find that probably in our own lives, uh, we find that in churches we find that all over the place to where if we're being humble and honest as we read romans one uh eighteen to thirty two my mind isn't just fixed on culture, all of a sudden, my heart is like, "Oh my gosh, this is like a definition of me, yeah. you know it's almost like it's defining me because I struggle with these things so greatly, and I can see how my worship is so distorted because. I'm worshiping something other than God too often in my life, mm-hmm. right? Uh,
1: well, they should just read the next verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you have you. no excuse, <laughs> excuse, oh man. Yeah. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. because you And that mm-hmm. Paul purposefully, I think intentionally describes 18 through 32 in a third person pronoun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look at what they are doing. It's like getting you riled up. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Look at what they're, it's just like David and Nathan, right? Yeah. 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 There was a guy over here and he did this and David gets upset. You're the man. And that's exactly what Paul's doing here in chapter two. Everything you've just read about those people, you're one of those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, I think, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, Paul does that exact same thing. And
2: when you said, if, if you if you don't identify with this, then you should come up because you're the son of God. <laughs> All right? right. Jesus. I was waiting. <laughs> I thought there might <laughs> be a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Has Jesus come back?" <laughs> Even like same thing with First Corinthians thirteen or Galatians five. You know, the fruit of the spirit. It's like if you if you can or sermon them out. You know, Jesus made it clear. Hey, you you follow this command, but you know, let me say further. If you lust in your heart, you commit adultery in your heart. You know, if you mm-hmm. lust in your heart after, and so he he breaks it down to make it very clear that we all fall short Mm -hmm. and you did a really good job with that in that list because you're right people can get on that bandwagon oh yeah look at our bad culture look at these people look at what's going on on tv you
0: know which is bad right like i want to say yes you are right exactly and it it is almost foolish sometimes i mean we were talking in the office just a minute ago it is pure foolishness some of the questions people ask and then the answers they give Mm -hmm. it's like what Mm -hmm. how can you say that you know, and it, it seems like common sense, mm-hmm. but claiming to be wise, they became as fools. They yes. went so far down yeah. the rabbit trail of sin that God has given them over to a debased mind, and that's where they are. They don't even see it. They don't even understand it. They don't even get it, right? And that's why we need God to open their eyes. We, need, we know that it's only God who can do these things because mm-hmm. we are using pure logic, and then it's like, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point of, of the thing that Scott watched, one of the people said, so you're basing that there's only one truth. Yeah, oh, that's your problem, right? How do you you logically talk to somebody who says there's many truths? Mm -hmm. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can't then have a debate. You can't have a discussion. It's over. You just walk away at that point, and you need God to change their heart and mind. It just shows that, that it takes God to do that work because we're so lost in sin, and it's the same for me. I needed God to do that work in my life, and thankfully, he did. Now, that doesn't mean I'm the smartest person in the world and I have it all down. No, because I still sin. I still struggle with it. I still worship myself too often. And that's what led to the the last point of the message is uh, there's a book uh G. K. Beale wrote called uh, We Become What We Worship. And his premise in his book is just that, that the nations of the old testament, God didn't see them any different than the Baal that they worshipped, the false mm-hmm. gods that they worshipped. This is what they became and that's what Paul's talking about kind of here is like you worship sin, and you just, you're just—you're so lost in sin that you basically are death. You are rebellion. You—you you are this. Look at—you're just—you're worshiping the created thing and not the creator. You're worshiping yourself. You're worshiping what you can do, what you can, what you have uh, become. It's kind of like the Tower of Babel, right? Look what we've done. Look at this great thing that we've made, right? And where does that lead to? It just leads to destruction. It doesn't lead to anything helpful. Or anything good. And that's even reflected in Psalm 115 I read. uh, I think it was verse 8. It says, Those who make them become like Like them. them, So do all who trust in them. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of leaves you feeling a little hopeless about the state of the world and stuff. But I, I wanted to remind us that as Christians, it's actually good news that we become what we worship. God saves us by his grace. But he also then starts to work within us so that Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 3, he says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of, an, of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so the, one of the great things that God does for us is he saves us, but then he transforms us to be like his son. And so as Christians, and hopefully you guys as Christians have seen fruit in your life, evidence in your life where God has softened your heart maybe when it comes to something like anger or patience, you know, or, I don't know, a sin in your life that you used to struggle with that today isn't as big of a struggle because God's really freed you from that, right? This is being transformed into the image of, of his son where where now all of a sudden, where once you hated to worship God, you you find great satisfaction in being able to worship God, right? That's a work of God in your life of molding you, making you again into the image of his of his son. And so it's actually a good thing that we become what we worship because as we worship God, he continues to draw us to himself and, and we all need that. Whether, whether it's a a kid in service listening to it needs to be drawn to be more like God, but same with the 80 year old in service who's been a Christian for 70 years, still being drawn to the image of God as we, as we come to worship together. And I'm thankful that God continues to, to do that, to show us his truths and, and doesn't just leave us, you know, where we are, but no, he, he wants us to be more like Christ. And, and so it's a good thing that we can be made into his image as we, as we worship him more, more and more. All right. You guys got anything else? Scott, you look like you had a profound thought in your head. I mean,
3: I, I wasn't going to read it, but I mean, I was thinking of... I mean, I'll bless everybody with it. Let me, <laughs> let oh, let me it. <laughs> Here it comes. I could tell you wanted <laughs> to end the episode, and so I wasn't going to say it. But, <laughs> like you saying that, like, uh, those who worship them become like them. That's true of us as well, those who worship God. And I was my mind went to Romans eight eleven that says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I just thought
1: of that.
0: Yeah, and so that's what again it points to the importance. And this is our series will be focused mostly on the public worship, the gathered worship, uh, the importance of that because this is where God does a lot of that work in our lives is in public worship. And and what's awesome about it is He does it to all of us together as we sit there. The Holy Spirit works in our lives as we sing together, as we pray together, as we hear the Word of God read together, as we hear the Word preached. It's like the Holy Spirit is having, Lloyd-Jones says, it's like the Holy Spirit is having one-on-one counseling sessions with everybody in that service at once, doing his work as the pastor's up there preaching and speaking. You know, and, and reflecting in your heart something different than reflecting in somebody else's heart, but using his word to do that. And right, and what is he doing? Conforming everybody at once together through the word of God together and reminding us of who we are in Christ all together. And it's just you know, verses like that just show that importance of being there together because this is the means by which God has ascribed to us mm-hmm. for this to happen mm-hmm. not some other thing that we think we're going to do it on. This This is the means by which. And so, yeah,
3: I think that your challenge at the end of the service to everybody was really important. And was very
0: timely. See, and it's kind of sad because I it shows kind of the state of where church life is. Yeah. I had to convince myself to do that when I walked up on that stage. Mm. You know, you everybody else was singing a song. I probably wasn't singing the song. I'm just sitting there debating in my head because I felt like, you know, I should probably challenge them to be here. Mm. And then I'm like, I probably shouldn't do that.
3: Yeah. That's like what I said earlier. Yeah, that's what I, I feel, mean. I feel bad asking them to sacrifice. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. being here. Yeah, and it's like... Yeah.
0: <laughs> What? No, I should ask them to come to church. But mm-hmm. then I'm like thinking in my head of of people who are here and I'm like, I think they might get offended. Maybe they think I'm talking about them. I'm like, well, you kind of are, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like going back and forth in my head. Sure. And it's just yeah. like, you know, I don't think it's wrong for me to tell them, Hey, could you just commit to be here on mm-hmm. Sunday? Yeah, it was good. Like, that's all I'm asking. Mm hmm. Not for my sake, not for my benefit, but for your benefit. The word says it's, it's beneficial for you mm-hmm. to be here, even for you, mm-hmm. uh, but also to worship God. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, hopefully people took it well. Uh, hopefully people will be here. And I then, just wonder how many people
3: in our church have actually heard a sermon series on the topic of a 12-week, or thir- is it
0: 13-week? I hadn't said the number because I don't want people. We were either going to do seven or 12. Wait, we can edit that out. I think it's 12. Yeah. I think well, it's 12. 12. Yeah. 12 for each of the 12 disciples.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, 12 tribes.
2: 12 <laughs> tribes. <laughs> for the um, tribes. Um, yeah. yes. 12 gates. You know, I mean, that's
0: 12 go. gates. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder I want to many... do a sermon series on the 140,000. <laughs> oh, gosh. Revelation. <In laughs> 144. 144,000. <laughs> <be> all over that. There are
1: 12,000 in each tribe, though. For each yeah 12 times 12,000.
0: Yeah.
3: But what i was saying is i just mm-hmm. i don't i don't know how many people in our churches have ever heard a sermon series on the topic of worship before mm-hmm. and i think i mean if people will commit to be here just for even for this series like commit to be here for the whole series mm-hmm. i think you're i think they'll learn a lot yeah and hear a lot of things they've never thought of before
0: mm-hmm. yeah i hope so and again that's the importance of being here all the time is we're trying to learn together and grow together and mm-hmm. god has called us as pastors to help lead this church in that direction. And the time that we have to do that the most is in the public gathering mm-hmm. on Sunday mornings at 10 30. Um, and so hopefully, yeah, hopefully you'll uh, commit to be here um, and uh, hopefully it goes well. Mm. You know, hope so. We'll see. <laughs> Could crash and burn, I guess. But it'll be a sight either way. It'll be a <laughs> sight either way. way. Yes. It'll it be something happens. to see. Yeah. Something to see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, that's all that we they have today. It's a little longer one again, I see. But, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you this Sunday. Like I said, our focus will be on who we worship, uh, focusing on God and how he is alone deserves our, our worship, adoration, and praise. So I hope to uh, see you Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope you have a great week. God bless.